are listening to the you blurt we acknowledge the first nations peoples of this land the traditional custodians and pay our respects to their elders past present and future we recognize the ongoing impacts of colonization and the importance of a voice to parliament to ensure the sovereignty and self-determination of first nation peoples is respected and upheld we commit to working together towards a just and equitable future for all Australians. Hi, I'm Keely, and tonight I'm coming to you from Wurundjeri country, the Kulin Nation, the Woiwurrung people. Sovereignty was never ceded, always has been, always will be Aboriginal land, and it is the 27th of June at 8.18pm. I know we're a little bit late, and I apologise for that, but good evening, Wetsy! Hello, hello from sunny, oh no, sorry, freezing cold Melbourne. <laughs> and I am um, also you, coming. You did, I was going to say, yeah. I'm not coming from my usual place. Um, yes, I'm coming from Wurundjeri country as well. Um, whatever you said, and apologies yes. for that, I should have been prepared earlier. <laughs> yes, well, sovereignty was never ceded and always has been, always will be. Um, so, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, how, how are you? How are you traveling down here? You, you, uh, um, un Mexican you? Um, <laughs> yes, I've been demexified uh, <laughs> for a week or two. Um, I must say, first of all, thank you for letting me stay with you for the last few days. It was oh, most um, no appreciative and enjoyed it. It was, and it was we, great. Had, we had a did have a great catch up on Friday with it was a couple of other very good, very very good. Yes, yes, it was. We've got a couple of good photos. If you go to our Instagram page, um, you should see those. We don't have our Instagram on that um, ticker down the bottom there, do we? Um, no, I, I can correct that as yeah. the show goes on. So yeah, no, I know um, you've got those skills. Go. No, that would be good if you could do that. That'd be awesome. So, but yeah, no, we have some of those photos, so that will be excellent. So you are you are in sunny but cold, maybe even not in sunny. Um, Kensington, <laughs> Kensington uh, yeah. at the moment, uh, uh, which is, is not that far from me whatsoever. Uh, any have you seen any weird and wonderful things happening down Racecourse Road? There's uh, if you if you get out there at night, you can always see something a little bit strange happening. Uh, right, I wasn't aware of that because I know you used to live in Kensington <laughs> many years ago. Um, that, that is that is very true, and and yeah. the thing is that there's um, there's a fine line between Flemington and Kensington, and one of those suburbs, and I can't remember which one it was, um, uh, used to make our car insurance more expensive. Uh, um, right, have to be Flemington. I would have thought. Flemo. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. it's Flemo. Yeah. So because we lived in Kensington and we're in the same, we share the same postcode. Yeah. Mm. Oh, um, yeah, it's one of those suburbs with the same postcode. Don't you just hate that? Mm. <clears throat> I did. I had to pay, pay more for insurance. I definitely yeah. did that. So yeah, yeah. Damn. Oh well. But, but anyway. no. To answer your question, I haven't ventured out at night because um, it's too cold. No, that's true. <laughs> that's 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 very true. I don't think you'd be able to to handle that. But um. Talking about not being able to handle it, what is happening in the world of swags, my friend? Oh, swags, swag? swags. Yes, yes. Uh, swag for, those, for those who are uninitiated, swag refers to the Screen and Writers uh, and Actors Guild strike that is happening in America. Yeah. Um, 
quickly give you an update. Uh, the Directors Guild, who also went on um, on strike and started negotiating with the studios a few weeks ago, uh, last Friday um, uh, ratified the their new contracts. Oh, uh, so they've okay. come to an agreement. So 80, 87% of the Directors Guild voted in support of the new contract. Um, Jeez, that's, that's a big percentage. Yeah, yeah. So they all um, must have been pretty happy. So it guarantees them pay increases, larger residual payouts uh, from all the streaming services and, and other services that they get paid out from. And there's also some language included um, about protections against AI tools. So I don't know what the details are because um, a lot of these details don't really come out to light for us just yet probably and is this is this only the directors though is this only the directors so right. the screen and and act and writers are still on strike um the more than eleven thousand screenwriters have been off off work for eight weeks protesting so a lot of things have come to a halt uh with such shows as um obviously all the late night shows that we've talked about before have um, are still offline but yeah. there's also tv shows that will be affected such as big mouth season seven billions i'm not sure if you've seen that cobra kai season six daredevil a marvel series there um what else is in the list family guy season 22 maybe it's a good time for that one to finish True. um it's been going on a long time 21 series <laughs> yeah exactly uh, the Handmaid's Tale, which I had no idea was still going. I thought that finished ages ago, but still going. The Mandalorian on Disney, season four, that's been halted. So there's a whole heap of shows there. That Even Saturday Night Live um, has been um, put on hold. That that makes total sense. I mean, The Daily yeah. Show and uh, Colbert and um, mm. Oliver and um, yeah. Seth Meyers, they're all on hold, which is a shame because my... <laughs> My YouTube is just full of freaking politics at the moment and just <laughs> full of shit. I, don't I know. You need some laughter, don't you? Yes. There's no relief at all. So yeah. it's been, um, it's been, uh, yeah, a little bit barren, a little bit barren. Mm. But um, uh, before we go any further and we've done swag, I thought we might do Trump Watch. 11,780 lost to win the I need 11,000 votes. Losers only. It's Trump Watch. China. Yes, it is Trump Watch. And look, every every week it's it's interesting. He opens his mouth and it just goes straight onto the news. But at the moment, the beautiful thing is that Orange Head is opening it so often that he just seems to keep putting his foot in it. It's like, I don't know how he's walking. Because he's got one foot in that mouth all the time. So oh, he's got foot, foot in mouth disease, has he? Uh, he's got foot <laughs> foot in mouth as a um, accessory, I think, because it's uh, just yes. there all the time. So one of the um, one of the things that uh, Jack Smith is, um, who's the prosecutor for um, his indictment. He's been indicted for 37 uh, counts, criminal counts of uh, espionage, um, which is a pretty serious crime. And he's pretty much um, self-incriminated by speaking on tape uh, Mm -hmm. that uh, something that he was saying 
outside of the tape, uh, he can declassify anything just by mind power. Mm, declassify. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> on tape, he said, well, I knew that they were Iran papers. I knew that they were very um, uh, sensitive, so I knew I couldn't declassify them. Right. So, so he's, as I say, he's just foot in mouth all of the time. But someone else who is uh, in a bit of uh, issue there as well, and we've spoken about this joker before. His name's um, uh, Jones. Can't remember his first name. I should know his first name, but I can't remember. Uh, I think it's Alex Jones. Um, anyway, he has and did have. I'm not sure if he still does have, but he did have a podcast called Info Wars, and we did talk about it on the show a few times because he got fined. I think. Something like a right. billion, billion or dollars? something, yeah. Or uh, something you forgot like the one billion dollars. That's exactly right. I'm uh, not sure if I've got that. Have I can I possibly have that? I'll see if I uh, have that. Uh, it doesn't look like it's gonna be. Oh, maybe one million dollars. Mm. <laughs> It's yeah, it's he says hard to find. It's hard to find. It is. Yes, he does say much better. He does. But uh, what I want to talk about, and I'm going to talk about it very quickly because we've got other things to talk about. We've got so much on the show tonight. Mm. We haven't even said what's going to be on the show, but we will in a minute. Um, this guy called uh, Schroyer were, apparently was the producer of Alex Jones's um, uh, podcast um, that uh, he was doing for a long time. This joker. Uh, actually went to the January 6th um, uh, riots mm. and he actually okay. had a, uh, a megaphone uh, chanting the people on from the top of the stairs, etc. And the things that he was saying was, uh, we declare death to tyranny and death to tyrants, he shouted um, as you, uh, he was talking about the Democrats. And right. um, I'm thinking shouting death to people at any time is probably not a good course of action. No. Um, anyway, uh, what's happened is that, uh, as I say, he worked at Infowars since 2016, blah, 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 blah. A video promoting the big DC marches 5th and 6th of January ended with a graphic of Schroyer and others in front of the Capitol. Why this is important is because this dude um, has now... Um, basically uh surrendered into a plea deal and he's okay. um yeah he's he's pled guilty right. and he he could go to jail for a year and it also means that he will need to tell the truth so it's just another nut job that will be under oath and yeah so I thought I'd just mention that for a little bit of Trump watch this week but uh there's heaps more going on with Trump but he won't get indicted until August and we'll be across that as well. But anyway, that just mm. gives you a little bit of an idea of some of the stuff that's going on. I think you had a little bit more to uh, talk about in uh, banter as well, Wensi. Um, there was also some sad news. Is that the one you're talking about? About Simon Crean, who passed away? Who ah. Was um, ALP leader. He was. And now I just remembered what... Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. In case you don't know what he looks like, that is Simon Crean. And um, 
I believe his dad was a very big Labor guy as mm. well. Um, I personally think, just my personal opinion, is that he was a pretty decent guy. Mm. Um, and I can't remember who he was up against. Um, but um, he served in the, as a minister of Labor governments under Prime Ministers Bob Hawke, um, Paul Keating, Kevin Rudd, Julie Gillard, including Australia Minister from 2007-2010. I'm pretty sure he was the opposition leader for a... Yeah, for a short period of time, yeah. I think. But it's he was been a couple of years from memory. Yeah, Green spearheaded, but was replaced as leader ahead of. The... Yeah, so it says um, Korean led the Australian Labor Party from November two thousand one to two thousand three. I, I didn't think it was that long. A difficult period for the party after third federal election defeat to John Howard. Well, everyone yeah. forgets about these um, defeats to John Howard. He either lied for people to vote for him. Mm. Or he squeaked through like there was no tomorrow. Like yeah. it was a bee's dick that he won. So mm. uh, it always annoys me. They go, oh, he yeah. won four times in a row. Yeah, mm. right. Absolute bee's dick. Um, but anyway, so Vale, uh, Simon Korean, mm. uh, I, as I say, I think he was a, a pretty decent guy. And it looks like yeah. he was from the amount of people that, uh, yeah, sent their recommendations, et cetera. Yeah. So, yes. And the other thing we we're going to quickly chat about was uh, what happened over the weekend in Russia. Oh, yes. Do tell. What did happen? Do tell. Uh, the leader of the uh, mercenary group, Wagner, um, decided to show his hand, I guess, um, with Putin. So I'm still getting conflicting information, and I don't know exactly how to take this but um so he he had issues against the top brass in in the military and the defense minister so key people close to putin obviously and um he was i think against... he basically thought they were rubbish at their job yeah pretty much pretty much told him that they've uh, mishandled the whole uh deployment of troops and, and arms and things like that to the Ukraine. But then I heard other commentary from experts saying that um, he was also against um, what they were doing in in the Ukraine and the lies that Putin was, was giving out. So it was just to put some um, political pressure on Putin to back down. There, yes, yeah, so I'm sort of confused as to where to and who to believe and how to take that information. But either way, it just looks like there is some conflict between those two leaders. Yeah, it does. I mean, the fact that they were able to get 200 Ks away from Moscow mm. and they didn't, they didn't get stopped at all. And they were no. just, just kept rolling in basically. Mm. So pretty much, I think what the last part that I, um, uh, that I followed up was that he's meant to be moving to Belarus yes, with uh, the uh, Belarusian leader, Lukashenko. He's a lovely mm. man. Yes. And, um, yeah, so that's that's interesting in itself. But as you uh, quite rightly said, Yegevni, um, I think it's Priyovsigin or something, mm. um, he was, uh, yeah, he was against the fact that, as you said, they were lied to when they went to war in the first place. Mm. Yeah. Like, I mean, 
Putin basically said that um, they were um, they were going to war because Ukraine is a bunch of Nazis. Mm. <laughs> which, and we know they're not. Which is interesting when the leader of the country is Jewish. But you know, why why mm. ever let uh, why ever let truth get in the uh, way of a good story? Yeah, exactly. You know, so, watch this space. We'll see what happens in the next day, few days or weeks. Who knows how that's going to end? Um, my prediction is one of them will die, disappear. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's literally or figuratively, I don't know. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. Look, I mean, there's, there's. It's interesting. I mean, it, geopolitically, it's very interesting because of the fact that you know China's been backing Putin all the time and. I wonder if China's China's. I know China's not happy with what Wagner's done, so mm. it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, um, so. it's uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Hey, you know why? Um, you know, you know why they're called the Wagner Group? Yeah. No, no, no idea. Well, it's because of the composer Wagner. Never heard of Wagner. Oh, Wagner's a German German composer that Hitler loved. Ah, oh, right. No, right. I had no idea. And and, um, and wow. apparently, Yegevni Brigosium, whatever his name is, apparently he had a penchant for Hitler. Right. Interesting. And so, yeah. And so he called them the Wagner Group. So a lot of people called them, obviously, the US, the Wagner Group. That really mm. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No, it's it's the Wagner Group, and that's why it's the Wagner Group. There so, you go. Yeah, it gets a bit yeah, it gets a bit hairy. But look, uh, we've gone a bit uh, bit hairy and deep there. But I've Ooh. got something here that's a bit light and weird. Would you like okay. to see something a bit light and weird? Oh yes, please. After that, hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, let's have a look at this. So I'm going to just a, a slight context because it is weird. It goes for four minutes. Probably won't play the whole thing, but it is weird. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say who it is. You'll find out very quickly who it is. But um, there's a band called The Sparks and they played at the Glastonbury Festival mm-hmm. and they have a song called The Girl Is Crying In Her Latte. Now, I will let you know now the song is terrible um, okay. and they get a fantastic round of applause from thousands and thousands of people. Right. Um, they have an interpretive dancer on stage with them, a little bit like the Happy Mondays years ago when they used to have this dickhead Baz who used mm. to do this just dance around the stage. You're just a nutbag. But anyway, so this person, this person isn't quite a nutbag, but you've probably seen or heard of her before. So anyway, sit back and enjoy the sparks at Glastonbury, and I'll probably just fast forward a little bit because it's a little bit repetitive. It's all right. You're not missing anything yet. We have a super okay. special treat tonight. Um, We did a video for this song recently, and we had the great honor of having the amazing actor, Kate Blanchett, join us in the video. I told you it's bad. Sounds like something out of the uh, 80s. Something really bad out of the 80s, yeah. Mm. 
So she did this. She did this. Yeah, in her film clip. It looks like it's a repeat. Interesting. Interpretive dancing. I had an idea that she did that. <laughs> so many people are crying in their latte. I told you it's a terrible song. So many people are crying in their latte. I'm, I'm even more surprised she put a name to this. <laughs> I wonder if it's going to appear on um, IMDb when you search for Kate Blanchett. Uh, probably would. <laughs> and she probably wouldn't care. Yeah, probably not. I mean, when you've done as much as she's done, she's <laughs> All right, I think I'm going to have to vote this song in the hottest 100 this year, just to get it up there. <laughs> there you go. Awesome, so finally, it's the, over. Uh, Yay. That, that, that was the response. That was the response. <laughs> so who's the band? So, the Sparks. Um, the Sparks. Just, just so you know uh, what you need to miss. <laughs> right, okay. Interesting. All right, Vicky says, I'm crying in my latte right now listening to that. Yes, yes. I bet you are. Very much so. I bet you are. It is an absolute shocker. It's it's not good at all. And I did miss her earlier comment from when we were talking with the strike that Vicky also misses the late night shows, as you do. Yes, yes, I don't blame you, uh, Vicky. Oh. Absolutely, I do. I miss all of them. Um, so, and... Definitely, uh, I didn't mention it, but John Stewart has a massive fave, so mm. um, yeah, but it's interesting. I was listening to uh Michael Moore this week, and because he's on strike as well, mm. um, he was talking about all these different uh new shows to binge and okay. watch, yeah, so it was uh, it was interesting, um, mm. uh, just but he was also talking about how many exactly what you were just saying about swag before. How many um, uh, sort of shows will be taking a hiatus mm. this this year from yeah. filming uh, series, etc., because mm. of this? But but I don't mind. I'm on their side because uh, yeah. we need decent writers, and we definitely don't want um, AI rubbish. So yeah, but, yeah, um, exactly. It's an industry that we need to keep in human hands or minds. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it is. So we'll be back in a minute after this with a bit of indelible indigenous. Stick around. When you give blood, you're more than just a blood donor. You're the lifeblood of Australia. Search Give Blood and book your donation with Australian Red Cross Lifeblood today. Give life. Give blood. This is Hannah Melville Ray from the Australia Institute. I'm listening to the new Blurt with Wensi and the Kexta, and you should be too. It's on Tuesday nights, live from around 8 p.m. In 2017, we seek to be heard, and we invite you to walk with us in a movement of the Australian people for a better future. Well, that is our sting for Indel in Ditch, or if you'd like to have that actually in a language you all understand, Indelible <laughs> Indigenous. 
That's right. Um, Wentzai, uh, take it away. That be me. Alrighty, I am going to cover um, something that's a little bit concerning, but um, hopefully um, will change over the coming months. Um, polls are currently not looking good for the Yes campaign. Um, we briefly talked about it recently, but I came across this article about how uh, the Yes and No campaigns are going to start spending their advertising dollars over the coming weeks. Uh, the Yes campaign will kick off their uh, advertising campaign this Sunday. Most of us here, of, including the, the minister, which is the start of NADOC week. Um, yeah, so they're starting this Sunday. But um, the really important part is, uh, as we know, with the most referendums, we need um, four states to vote overwhelmingly yes, which means that three states uh, can vote no to still pass. Oh. Well, I know, I know you need at least four states, but it doesn't include territories, I believe. Correct. Um, so the no campaign um, are going to be targeting certain states, and it's not the states that you think that uh, they might be targeting. So they'll be targeting, um, oh, that's right, I have a show and tell. So um, one of the things that they're going to be targeting um, are the states where the polls have been showing that, um, and I'll go to the first, second slide, because that makes more sense right now. Queensland, you're letting the team down. Hugely. Yes. Exactly. So Queensland, in all the polls so far, are overwhelmingly the most likely to vote no. And so this, a lot of the no campaign are going to be targeting um, Queensland. So watch out, Queensland. Um, we need to uh, counter that vote and that message with a yes. Yes, you do. So, you need to get out there. Mm, I'm actually um, going to be volunteering in a couple of weeks' time down here. Excellent. Excellent. Yep. For the yes one, uh, what is it? Yes23.org? Uh, yes, yes, yes. That's what I'll be doing. Also, and, and remember, there's 2nd of July this weekend, nationwide support for the Yes23 as well. Yeah, we, exactly. We're going to mention that? Sorry, if you were. No, I did briefly mention it before that that's the Yes23 campaign is starting this Sunday um, because, like I said before, NADOC week commences this Sunday, which we'll go into a little bit more on next week's show. But um, as you can see in the graph here, the states that are the, the least likely to vote yes um, are Queensland, Tasmania at times, WA definitely. Um, so Queensland, WA, and then occasionally it'll either be South Australia, Tasmania. Problem with South Australia and Tasmania, the polls, um, are fluctuating quite a bit because their sample size is a bit too small. So pollsters can't quite get uh, a good, uh, a smaller margin of error when talking about the campaign in those states. Um, Do you know, I have, I have faith in South mm -hmm. Australia, Tasmania, Western Australia. I have faith in all of those and I have faith in Victoria. Mm. I'm not exactly sure about New South Wales. I'm hoping it should be okay, but I have yeah. pretty good faith in those four states. 
So which ones were they? Victoria? Tassie, Victoria, um, Western Australia, and uh, South Australia. Mm, okay. So the understanding or the belief that some people are thinking will what will happen is New South Wales and Victoria, there'll be a majority. And even if those two states have an overwhelming majority, if they're the only two states that voted yes, even though they the, by population they had a majority. Won't make any difference. Won't make a difference, exactly. Mm. Which is so, bullshit when you think about it, considering mm. the 15 million people, sorry, 13 mm. million people come from two states. Yeah, yeah. Which so is half, I think half, it's half the nation. Total bullshit that the other <clears throat> states have the same um, uh, weighting as mm. Victoria and New South Wales. They shouldn't. Correct. They should have like half a weighting. I mean, Queensland. Yeah. How many is in Queensland? Two million? Uh, maybe three or four in total. But that's a bloody big state, like geographically, mm. it's ginormous. Yeah. yeah. And so is, and so is Western Australia. I mean mm. so I just it does annoy me. It does annoy uh, exactly. Me. So, uh, so Warren Mundine, um, the leading oh. ad advocate for the No campaign, confirmed on ABC's RN breakfast program a few weeks ago that their strategy is to target the um, smaller states. Um or, or the states that are going to most likely vote no. Um, for us, it's sensible because they have to have the double whammy of a majority plus a majority of states. So all we have to do is pick up three states and that's the end of the referendum, is what he said. Um, yeah, what a so short-sighted, honestly. Oh, tell me about it. Um, the campaign oh sorry the poll that was uh, released a few weeks ago by channel nine um found that 49 percent supported the voice i don't um, believe anything that comes out of channel nine no neither do i and of course you've got a what we don't know is um uh the questioning so i'm, I'm not even confident or i haven't found the exact questions that have been asked in these polls so if, if it was the referendum question, then I'd, I'd be more likely to believe it. So this graph that I'm showing right now is showing that the yes campaign, which is the purple line, is steadily getting closer to 50%. So it's getting less and less support while the no campaign is going up. So looking at that, you, it looks like that the no campaign will succeed, which is frightening. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. So the first graph that I didn't show you was the advertising spend. So you can see in the graph here that the no campaign, which is the orange bar is they're spending the most in Queensland, South Australia, WA and Tasmania. So they, of those four states, they just need three states to overwhelmingly vote no, and then they get through. Explain, Whereas, can you explain to me why the people that ruin this world, the people that destroy this world, the people that destroy um, democracy, the people that destroy uh, just the culture, the fabric of society, um, always have more money to spend on keep destroying it? Yeah, just, I know it's crazy, isn't it? Oh, that's my head in, honestly. Yeah. God, um, just got an answer here from Vicky. There's 5.1 million in Queensland. Start yelling at him, Vicky. Because yes. seriously, Kex yeah, is going exactly. to get very annoyed. Yes, we can't let the nation down, can we? 
No, so yes, Vicky also watch. says Queensland. What are we doing? It's appalling. It totally agree. Appalling. It's disgraceful. Totally agree. So it's the yes campaign are spending the most in Tasmania and Victoria, um, and where else? South Australia. So I wouldn't. Do, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that if I was the yes campaign. Mm. I don't think they've targeted their money very well. There. I can tell mm. them right now. In Victoria, they're going to get a yes. It's going to be yes. Yeah. Don't spend your money there. Spend it somewhere else where you really need to. Yeah, they should be spending it just like the no campaign in those states that most likely will vote no because you want to get your message out to them. Absolutely. Otherwise, you're just uh, banging into an echo chamber. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I I admit that we are a little bit – we are probably a little bit uh, guilty of doing that ourselves. Mm. But – but, you know, I mean, the podcast does go out to whoever wants to download it. Yeah. But yeah. Well, obviously, if you don't agree with that, you should probably mm. vote. Yeah. But, um, exactly. but one thing I will say, some no-vote campaigners say that a voice will divide Australians by race, giving special treatment to Indigenous people. This is straight out of the um, Voice to Parliament handbook. Are right. they correct? No. A voice to Parliament is about recognising Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's distinct culture, heritage, history, their unique connection to Australia's continent that spans over 60,000 years. This would be a force for unity and nation building rather than division. This is part that's really interesting, just Mm. in case you didn't know and anyone out there that may not know. A voice to Parliament would also implement Australia's commitment to the United Nations Declaration on the Right of Indigenous People in Domestic Law in particular article 18 Mm. article 18 of the united nations declaration says indigenous peoples have the right to participate in decision making in matters which would affect their rights through representative chosen by them in accordance with their own procedures and as well as to maintain and develop their own indigenous decision making Mm. institutions so if anyone comes to you and says it's a Canberra voice, they are lying out of their mm. ass because that yep, is a load right. of crap. It's a gift from Indigenous and we should accept it willingly. Exactly. And the last little piece I wanted to talk about regarding referendums, uh, we've briefly spoken about this, but this is the thing that sort of got me. Of the eight successful referendums in Australian history, the states were unanimous in all but one, uh, which we know was the 67 referendum there have been yep there have been five where a majority of australians voted in favor but uh that that nonetheless failed because at least three states had blocked them in all of those that did fail tasmania was the state that voted no so i think the yes campaign need to be targeting tasmania because it looks like they have history of failing us in the referendums. Well, as we know, Tasmania was the biggest state to wipe out every um, Indigenous person they could. Mm. Yeah. So, and as we know, it took until 1997 onwards for them to honour LGBTQI relationships. Mm. Yeah. So, Tasmania, you need to wake up. Exactly. You need to wake the frick up. You really do. That's right. And I have a show and tell on this as well. Very, very short. But it's it's passionate and it's from someone that we don't know, we should know. Very, very bright person. Curious. Our life in the trenches. I'll get it. If you don't get it, I'll get it. As our parents before us and generations. There's like 
65,000 years standing here, this is big for us and we can do better than we're doing. And it's not a big ask. Yes, it has to have some power. Yes, and you will give us the power. When you vote, yes, we have the mandate of the Australian people. And then we can talk as equals, more equal, with the parliament and the, and the executive of the day. So although the word advisory is used, that's a, it's, a very, it's, it's a very powerful word in this context. That's why we went for an enshrinement in the Constitution, because we've tried everything else. We've set up committees, we've done this, we've done that, and nothing has worked. That is Arnie Pat Dodson. Sorry, Arnie Pat Anderson. And um, she's um, extremely well known in as an elder in the uh, Indigenous community. So if they're going to listen to someone, they definitely should be listening. Listening to her, exactly. Absolutely. And uh, also, if a bit of um, bit of watching and learning, Megan Davis had an Australian story last night. You can get it mm-hmm. on iVu, as Excellent. Wentz, I would say. I highly recommend that you have a look at that as well if you don't really know who mm. Megan Davis is because she's pretty incredible. Yep. Do yourself a favour. Go watch it. Uh, we'll see if I can watch it tonight or tomorrow. Any more stats from you, my friend? Or? No, that's all the stats for me, and okay. it's over to you, my friend. Oh, my friend. Well, we will be back in a bit. The Australia Institute produces high-quality research that has real-world impact, whether it's revealing the $10.3 billion in fossil fuel subsidies provided by federal and state governments last year or our long-standing research advocating for a federal anti-corruption commission with real teeth, we change minds. To donate, head on over to australiainstitute.org.au. Yes, now they have a donation drive on at the moment until the end of June. Anything that you do donate will be doubled. If you don't know what the Oz Institute does, they did try to explain it then. Uh, They are um, uh, not entirely, but very much partially uh, responsible for the national, yeah, it's a national anti-corruption commission, but that hasn't come into uh, fruition this year yet. But it will soon, and they, uh, as I say, were partially responsible for getting that up. So if you're, um, if you have anything, uh, if if you believe in integrity uh, in politics and um, not corruption, uh, it might be ideal to donate because mm. they are a philanthropic sort of uh, think tank. They're not like, say, the um, the right-wing ones that, as I said mm. before, are just uh, sponsored by fossil fuel companies and all the rest of it who've got yeah, heaps exactly. of coin. So, but when exactly. we need these independent voices, they need to keep banging on the door. As we all know, we need to stop um, opening up coal mines, etc. But this mm. is about indelible Indigenous. So, yes. Wensi, can you. you please... Um, Control the slides for Shadow Sure, here please. we go. That is the title, and I'll go to the next slide. Shadow Spirit, That's over to you. Yes, so uh, that is, I believe, a Mimi. And anyone uh, watching or listening to this program, uh, well, if you're listening, you won't see the photo. But um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I won't be able to uh, put the links in, um, I don't think. Um, uh, I don't know. Can I put? Can I, can I put? I can't really put slide links in, can I? No, I think I did work. Well, yes and no. I think I did this once before on a previous show. I did. I'll, I'll work some magic, and we'll get the slideshow oh. available. 
The Wentzy magic. That's good. That's good to hear. So, yeah, so Shadows. Absolutely no worries. So the Shadow Spirit, it's an exhibition. Obviously, it's in, as you can say, from that, if you're watching um, uh, this on YouTube or live or wherever you're watching it, it's uh, Shadow Spirit. It's a cultural um, exhibition. And it's a contemporary works by first people's artists from across Australia. And the artworks explore themes of ancestral creatures, celestial beings, land protection, energy, and connections to metaphysical and multi-dimensional spaces. It's absolutely brilliant. It's part of the Rising Festival. It's in Melbourne at the moment. And I believe, I believe it either ends in a couple of days' time or the end of this week. I'm not 100% sure on that one. But... Um, but if you are around Melbourne, um, I would highly recommend that you go and um, and educate yourself because it's it's pretty eye opening uh, stuff. And I will try to narrate some of the photos, but some I m- might not be able to. But the exhibition uh, just before yep, you get going, yep, it's until yep, 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 the thirtieth of July. Oh, is it really thirtieth yeah, of July? So, yeah, so still got time, plenty wow. of time. Wow. So is that the Shadow Spirits on until the 30th of July? Yes, correct. Fantastic. Excellent work, Wentzie. Thanks for that. The exhibition highlights the knowledge and inherited memory of First Peoples, emphasizing that the stories are not myths or folklore, but they are networks of cultural knowledge and history. Because as we know, that's how they sent their history and knowledge um, through song lines um, and uh, different things. But they didn't have books as such because that's not how it worked. Four main exhibition themes are explored, weaving time, spirit ecologies, the guides, and absent presence. Could you maybe go to a couple more slides and then I'll sure. explain something? Sure. Yeah, just put it. So that one is all about, obviously, weaving time. So everything you're seeing there is hand-woven. And those um, those sort of totems, if you like, mm-hmm. um, are anywhere from probably two and a half, maybe two metres long. Uh-huh. Um, so that big one that looks like a massive ant sort of thing uh-huh. in the top right-hand corner, they're about two metres long. They're, they're very big uh-huh. uh, weavings. And you might get a picture in a minute. You might see it. But the floor is all cross-hatched too. Um, no, not that uh-huh. one. If you can just go, yeah, go forward again. Yeah, keep going. I'll tell you when. There it is. So, yeah, so what that is, um, those two black um, uh, spots you're seeing, that's actually a water hole. It's a a metaphor. It's a, um, yeah, that's what it's meant to be portraying, a water hole. And all those mystical sort of um, creatures meant to be of that um, water hole. Mm. And then the the tall um, uh, uh, figure that you saw before, I, I believe it's called a mimi, is like a guide. It's like a, a metaphysical guide. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that uh, that yeah that basically is it's part of the sort of spirit world for the um, for the indigenous. They have mm. they have quite a few different types of guides, which I didn't mm. know. And it's, and it was really do, interesting. Do you know what those layers mean? The uh, horizontal layered colors. The cross hatching. Um, no, I not, not so much the cross hatching, but see how on, on this totem. Yes. Not white, brown. Yes, it's all about the yeah. It's all about the sands of the uh, okay. of the desert and the peoples that yeah. um, are in that area that believe. Because as we know, with with mob, there's so many different types of mob, and on country mm. doesn't mean on 
all of the country. It means mm. on that little part of yep. the country, on country, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so each uh, each sort of uh, different mob has a, obviously a different place where they're living and they also have slightly different um, beliefs, et cetera, et cetera, mm. which is what we've talked about all the time when it comes to trying to get um, agreements on the voice and um, and uh, the Uluru statement, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So, yeah, so if you could go forward a little bit mm-hmm. more, please. A little bit longer or further, yep. Yep. Okay, so this one is called The Mulka Project, and it's in collaboration with Mrs. Mulkan Wirrapanda's family, and it creates immersive artwork honouring her legacy as a senior artist from the Yolnu community. Now, this is absolutely amazing. What you're seeing but not quite seeing, maybe if you've got another one that's similar, I might be able to show you a little bit. Um, yeah, that one. Okay. So you can see how high this thing is. It's about two and a half to three metres high. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's a representation, I believe it's fibreglass, mm-hmm. of a termite mound. I was going to say, because that's what it looks like to me. I've seen yeah. quite a few in Northern Territory. Yes, yes, I know. They're incredible, aren't they? And this is one of the most beautiful things I think I've ever seen uh, culturally. And what happens is um, it starts off that um, it glows like an Uluru uh, colour. And then what happens is you start getting these uh, sort of seeds that start going up. Um, the sides of the um, of the mound, and then the seeds, as you can see, start sprouting into uh, different um, sort of leaves and and uh, sort of wheat. Not, I don't think it's wheat as such. It's yeah. native grasses, yeah. etc. Yeah. But but what you're seeing on the ground is it's really clever because what they've done is they've uh, projected um, so that these vines that are on mm-hmm. on the ground around the termite it sort of turns into foot footprints so what happens is you can actually see a footprint because as we know um as we know uh mrs morgan uh died because they 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 tell you that and she was the artist but her sister her sister was also an artist Mm. so what happens is she walks i the the lady that's not with us anymore she walks and um and you can see the footprint. It glows as she walks. Mm. It's, it's really, really cool. Yeah, and then as that happens, there's all these new vines and all this new growth yeah, comes right. in behind her. And this is this is changing the whole time. And so all of sort of like through the seasons and all the rest of it, this mound will change. And then right mm. at the end, it goes back to the sort of the glowing termite mound again. Yeah. And then what you see is like a like a shield. I thought I had this photo, but I, I don't think it's in there. But you have this shield, and the shield sort of shows like a spot of um, a hole of, of termites. And then all of a sudden, all these termites just start pouring out of these holes straight down the um, side of, of the mound. And then they're all going, as you see, all the vines, they're all crawling all around the floor. It's just, it's incredible. It's absolutely unbelievable. And um, to see the whole thing sort of unfold, it probably takes, probably takes, oh, I think I was in there for about oh, maybe 10, 15 minutes. It takes a while. But gee with it's worth it. I absolutely loved it. So it so 10 or 15 minutes just for that, for that yeah. one exhibit. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was amazing. Nice. So I was only at the place for an hour and 15, but to be honest, you could easily be there for two hours plus. Yeah, wow. just so much really. I mean, if you, if you, I mean, especially if you listen to the audio, because they've got mm. audio you can just download on each piece of art and then okay. you, you get invested, you know. You mm. go, oh, that's what that story's about, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So, um, yeah, so it was really, really cool. So, oh, the other beautiful thing about this as well is now I will explain that one in a second. The other beautiful uh, thing about this as well is that um, community tickets are available for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities at a mm -hmm. discounted rate. Excellent. Yes. So because they definitely want to make sure that uh, they can. Because what I found, and, and I suppose I, I didn't really understand this, but what I found is there's actually a lot of younger Indigenous that don't actually know fully of their history. Their history, yeah, that wouldn't yeah. surprise me at all. So I think that they'd probably have their eyes open too if they go mm. to these um, uh, magnificent uh, exhibitions that they've put on. Uh, it's it really is just awesome. Now the yeah. one that you're seeing there, what that is, it's 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 on a rail. I'll try to describe it, but there's like silhouettes um, of sort of uh, paper or metal or whatever oh, that are that are hanging on a rail. Mm -hmm. and they they go around the room and then they silhouette onto this um, landscape and this landscape that you're seeing changes. Yeah. It's a 3D they, landscape? Uh, no, it is a 2D landscape, so it's okay. just a screen. But yep. the silhouettes keep going. Um, as you can see, there's a figure there that looks like it's walking with a dog and there's a mm. lady and guy with a gun and there's a boy and etc so now what it was portraying it was portraying in 1832 a bunch of a bunch of uh, indigenous that walked down to uh tasmania down to hobart one walked down to the government the governor it was about 26 of them i think wanted a treaty basically that's what they were looking for and after that uh the governor it seemed like he was quite happy to do that uh but the higher ups decided that wasn't what they wanted and they basically, I don't think they were heard of again. That's it's not pretty, good. No, that's it's no, it's pretty disgraceful. Not surprising, considering the no. time that they would no. have decided to do that, which is yeah. really, yeah, fucking yeah. annoying. Yes, it is. It is fucking Sad. annoying. Absolutely, and it, yeah, it's just disgraceful more than anything. And that's why Australia vote. Vote. Yes. Yes. It's just such a no-brainer. Such a no-brainer. But anyway, talking about no-brainer, um, as Wenty has told, told me uh, quite eloquently, uh, we are running out of time here because we have just banged on, well, I have, so much. And it's just because it's such an amazing, um, such an amazing exhibition. I just want to try mm. and share it with the uh, yep. listeners, viewers. But yeah, so go to go, go and see it yourself. It's absolutely fantastic. So Excellent. Oh, we'll see if I can fit it into my tight schedule while I'm here in Melbourne. Yes, you definitely should. I, you, I would make it priority if I if I was you. Uh, tickets aren't too bad, so I don't think they're too expensive. Yeah. Um, so and it's well worth it, and you can stay as long as you like. I think so. Yeah. Okay. One last question before you yes. finish. Yes. Yes. Where is it being held? Where is the exhibition? Oh, Flinders Street Station. Yes, beautiful building, and it is. they've remodeled certain parts of it for this exhibition because I think they were derelict rooms. Well, it's it's heritage listed. So, yeah, they've basically left all the rooms, um, but it has been refurbed. You're right. But it's um, it's still very, you can tell, you know, how old it was, et cetera, et cetera. And That's awesome. The I've, stories, et cetera. Yeah. So. It's pretty rare anyway, to be able to get in there. But anyway, yes. 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 I'll make sure I put the show uh, links in the show notes as always. 
And now it's time for When Nature Calls with Wincy and the Kickster on the new... Oh, there, big fella. That's the wrong nature calling. Oh, right. Here is our new segment, Nature Calls. It's all about the wonderful world of... Wonderful world... Sorry, Wenty. Uh, on Nature Calls this week, I am going to be talking about a skink which was as large as a human arm. So I'm not sure if you're familiar, but skinks are normally pretty small, only a few inches long at most. But this prehistoric find um, by researchers at Flinders University uh, have come across a skink which has an official name called Tilikua frangens, or frangens for short, but they've dubbed it the Mega Chonk. And I have no idea what <laughs> chonk stands for. Uh, but here is an artist. Chonk. Here's an impression. artist impression. Um, Just looks like a blue tongue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, that's one of the direct relatives, uh, the blue tongue. Uh, roamed Australia roughly 50,000 years ago, they believe. And they gathered bones from uh, Wellington Caves near the Dub near Dubbo in New South Wales. And they also had bones and fragments of the spine parts of the body in various museums around Australia. So they finally were able to categorize it and um, give it its official name. Um, but yeah, like you said, blue tongue lizard is the closest living relative. Um, in these caves, Dr. Ka Kayla Thorne, the one of the paleontologists at Flinders, said there used to be a natural hole in the ceiling in this cave. So there's marsupial lions and thylacines and stuff in there as well that have fallen in or wandered in and not been able to get out again. Oh, so, so they found bones of those as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. it's that's a so cool. it's a little tomb for historic prehistoric creatures for us to explore. So nice. Yeah, I thought this nice. was rather cute. Yes, it is. It's very cool, and I love cool. a skink. So uh, we have we have oh, an answer. Right. Chunk or chunky equals fat. Thank you, Vicky. So we're fat shaming our lizards now. Excellent. Yeah, uh, yeah that's great. That's, so, yes, that's great. It is good. Even yeah. in death, they're getting uh, yeah. yeah fat shamed. Poor. Skin. No wonder. No wonder our poor old uh, blue tongues going to therapy. I mean, seriously. It's mm, just oh, exactly. Um, exactly. So yeah, can't see it now in this on on the on the planet. But hey, that's what it looked like fifty thousand years ago. Well, I think that's pretty damn cool because, as I say, I love a skink. But something else Ooh. that's pretty damn cool, and I'm just going to do a show and tell on this one. And I know I need to add it back to the screen, so I've done that. There you go. Look at that. Oh, who's that cute little fella? Oh, the old platypus. The old oh. platypus. But there's there's nothing not amazing about our platypuses. Mm. They are absolutely unbelievable. And um, they might look cute and cuddly. But uh, come across a male platypus in mating season and you'll be in for a painful shock Ooh, because okay. male, male uh, platypuses have a hollow spur on each hind leg connected to a venom-secreting um, gland. Oh, okay. Enough did, did to kill you know a that? human? Wow. I, I did and, know. 
Well, their venom is lethal. But there's no recorded deaths from platypus um, killings from the sting. Yeah. Wow. So I thought, thought that was pretty damn fascinating. Mm. And um, apparently, uh, as far as electroreception is concerned, they give sharks a run for their money, i.e., you know, how you find um, things in the dark or, you know, in the mm-hmm. deep, et cetera. So uh, yeah. the platypuses use electronic impulses to detect underwater prey and locate objects in the darkest mm-hmm. depth of creeks. They feed on insect larvae, freshwater, shrimps, worms, and yabbies, which they bring to the surface to eat. As we know, they lay eggs. What an amazing animal. Seriously, it what is. an amazing animal. Just unbelievable. With two layers of fur for insulation and waterproofing, platypuses use their fur to trap a layer of air next to their skin so they can remain buoyant and dry when they're underwater, which wow. they are a lot. And the platypus spends 12 hours of every day underwater looking for food. Jeez. That's phenomenal, isn't it? It really is phenomenal. They're both um, at... at- gathering food if they're spending 12 hours looking for food yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> now you're fat shaming the platypus right okay no one <laughs> no one we'll get yeah, plates just... no <laughs> one knows from why. the union. tomorrow <laughs> no one knows why but when these small brown creatures are put under uv lights well, don't put them under uv lights in they give off a biofluorescent green-blue glow, which is strange. Ooh. But even stranger are the people who keep putting them under UV lights. Yes, that's Ooh. my point. That is my point. I agree with that. I agree. See, now you've mentioned that, I want to carry a UV light with me and, and experience it myself next time I see a platypus. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. You've already fat. You've only, you've already fat shamed them. You don't have to shock them as well. <laughs> um, right. Okay. Now, ready for the. Oh. oh, look how cute that little thing is. Only a mother would love that one. Yes, that's. Uh, no, that's it pretty is pretty cute. cute. It is pretty cute. Um, cute and weird. It's got to be. Yeah, yeah. Does look a bit. Does look a bit alien. But I imagine if you're feeding it, it'd be pretty damn cute. Um, and do you know what they call a baby platypus? Uh, baby platypus? Mm. <laughs> no, no idea. A puggle. A puggle. A pug. And they tell me that's not cute. Oh. Puggle. That's very cute. Wow. No, I um, never knew that. And a human parent. And <laughs> a baby platypus who has one wizard parent. <laughs> And one human parent is a muggle puggle. <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that. Because when you said puggle, I was thinking, sounds a lot like a muggle. <laughs> uh dear. Yeah, exactly Next. Right. Um they're even harder they're, they're, they're even harder to spot now than they used to be, which is pretty terrible. Mm. Um because of bushfires, Jeffrey. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I don't think I've ever seen one in the wild. I've seen wombats in the wild, but never seen a platypus. Bushfires, changing climate, land clearing have impacted platypus habitat, decreased their population. So if we don't want modern platypuses to go the same way, um, it's more important than ever that we make sure that is not the case. Um, And I will. And there you go. That's a nice photo. Dun, 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 
it is it's coming to get you it is it yeah it is after you fat shamed it but um but but anyway so what i was going to say and this part is really important and i know that we have to get going so i'll be very quick on this one but um as exactly as that was just saying threats to the habitat is um degradation habitat loss degradation rapid urbanization agricultural practices and land clearing altered water flows pollution climate change pollution from chemicals Research and monitoring, uh, scientific research and monitoring programs have been gathered by the WWF to get the information they can get. And they're also working with local communities, landowners for habit restoration mm-hmm. and advocacy and policy engagement and community engagement and education is something that the WWF, also World Wildlife Fund, no, not the wrestling um, <laughs> That's quite a different thing. Totally uh, different. Thing yes, very much so. Um, the platform faces a range of threats that require urgent attention, concerted oh, conservation yeah. efforts, um, as I said before, for us to keep being able to see those magnificent animals in the oh. wild. Um, we need to look after them. It means we need to look after our planet. Exactly. And what do you, what's the collective noun of platypus? Is it platypuses or platypi? That's a great question. I don't know. Just gave yourself homework. Damn. <laughs> Speaking of platypus, I saw a, a little comic strip on Twitter the other day. Um, and hopefully this translates well verbally as opposed to just the comic strip. There, in, in first frame, you see God with a box asking the question, what do I do with these spare parts? And then the next frame is a platypus. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was quite funny. Yes. No, it is. It is. It is very funny. But it is amazing that, that, that yeah, that that's, that that's alive and that exists. Mm. And we have the um, ability to still see it. And, uh, yeah, as I say, if you want to keep seeing it, mm. we need to save it. So Yes. But, um but, yeah, that's the show for this week, people. Thank you very much uh, for joining us uh, on the pod, if you have. Uh, thank you very much, anyone who joined us live. And uh, thank you uh, very much for anyone who joined us on YouTube as well. Platypuses. Platypuses. Thanks, Vicky, for clarifying Thank you very that. much. Thank you very much for that. Good night, Wendy. Anything you want to say? Is there anything you want to say before you go? Uh, Melbourne, please warm up so that I don't freeze. Over the next 10 days. Other than that, have a great week. (laughs) Absolutely. And Vote Yes Australia, the Vote Yes campaign uh, starts 2nd of July to Sunday. Get out there and support it. It's happening nationally. It's super important, so get on to it. Yes. All right. And we we will see you next week. All right. Take care, everyone. See you next time. Bye. Hello, my name is Dean Park and I'm from the Kwandamooka peoples of Minjiriba, which is also known as North Stradbroke Island, just off the coast of Brisbane. It's great to be here with you today. I know there's been a lot of interest since uh, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese made a really, to some people, a surprising comment during the election night saying that the government was committed to a referendum on a voice to parliament. And I know that there are many people sitting out there in their lounge rooms on that night not really sure about what he meant. What we're talking about is very simple. It's just 
three things. Recognising Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples in the constitution, having an Indigenous voice to parliament, and the need for a referendum to make it all happen. And we want to be able to do this because this is a conversation that we have to have across the nation. This is a conversation that every single Australian needs to be part of. And so we don't want to confuse the issue. We're not going to dive down in deep into details. This is not about the politics. This is not about making a particular point. It's simply about having a conversation with you, sharing a bit of information about Indigenous constitutional recognition, about a voice to parliament and about a referendum. And we're hoping that this is something that triggers a conversation more broadly in your families, in your workplaces, in your communities, and something that we really want the whole nation to get behind. What constitutional recognition means is acknowledging the 65,000 years of continuous connection that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples have to this country. It's about Australians embracing First Nations peoples. It's about us being recognised in our constitution, in our rule book. It is a unique status as the first peoples of the Australian nation. And it's about, I guess, having that, that sense of this is where we started as a people and as a nation. And that's really, really important in terms of the relationship that we have between First Australians and everyone else. Yeah, I can't tell you how much that means you know, to, to our community, to our nation, to myself, to my family, uh, to not have to uh, argue for that basic recognition to be recognised as First Nations, that we belong here and that we have a right to be heard. It took until 2017, the Uluru Statement from the Heart, for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples to very firmly say what meaningful constitutional recognition looked like to us. It's recognising our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and the founding document of our nation. And how do we embrace First Nations peoples as the first peoples of this country, which is unique and different to anywhere else in the whole world? It's unfinished business and it's about time that uh, we recognise that the Aboriginal people were living on this continent, Torres Strait Islanders were inhabiting our homelands and that recognition in the Constitution is going to go a long way to uh, healing past injustices in the in the modern history of Australia. I remember when I was um, one of facilitating a native event for school, um, when I've asked, like, you know, mob at school if they want to do a dance or if they want to sing or do storytelling or something like that. Um, it, there's that shame factor, like, oh, I'm scared to, to, to voice my culture and to talk about it. And then, but with this, I believe it will make, make them actually feel valued and empower, empowered in their own country as First Nations Australians, yeah. In 1967, the Australian public voted overwhelmingly to allow the Commonwealth Government to make laws about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people before it hadn't had that power. Meaningful, real constitutional recognition had to come through a voice. It had to be about this voice to Parliament. There are too many issues in our communities, which mean that we can't just have symbolic recognition. There needs to be practical change alongside that. Uh, but then also, you know, what a lot of people talk about, the practical kind of things that come along with that and the power of that symbolism too, is that, you know, not only are you recognising us finally, but you, you actually have to listen to us and talk to us and we, we have a say, we get to sit at the table where the decisions are made, which for too long have been made without us. And, you know, one of the things in my family that we always talk about 
uh, is all the uh, kind of things that have happened in the Barma Forest and the Wirai Forest and all the um, environmental degradation, but what happened to our families there and um, actually being able to have a seat at the table with people like, you know, Victoria and New South Wales Parks and Wildlife type people with the government on, you know, when they're making the leasing decisions that are impacting our families uh, when it comes to the history of economic development in those areas. I think the important thing in constitutional recognition is that it puts Indigenous people firmly in the founding document of modern Australia. And it's not putting us in the constitution in a way that someone else has suggested we should be. It's putting us in the constitution in the way Indigenous people have decided they want to be recognised in the constitution. And that's important because it's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people deciding for themselves what they want, asking the Australian people to support them in that, and then that being enshrined in the document that defines the way the nation works. In a way, our most important document in Australia. The Uluru Statement very clearly said that if we are going to do this, if we are going to formally and finally do constitutional recognition for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, it's got to be through the voice. And just for having our voice in, you know, enshrined in the constitution, it doesn't only have like an impact now, but has impact on the generations to come. And is an important first step in building a shared future for our country. The new blurb is brought to you by Wensi and Kickstart, usually on a Tuesday evening. You can catch us on all the socials, as they say, the Blurt YouTube channel. We have a Twitter Blurt handle, and there is a Blurt Star Facebook page as well. So, if you're interested in getting getting in touch, blurtstar.gmail.com, and we will get back to you as soon as we can if you've got any questions. Until next week, there'll be another feed coming at you. Has been a Get Off The Glass Productions, brought to you by Wincy and Kickstarter.